Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of Game Store Profits, the show where geeks get together to talk about God and God followers get together to talk about geeky things. If you do the math, and I'm not sure if I did the math correctly there at the beginning of this episode, but if you've done the math correctly, you will realize that, being a bi-weekly show, episode 78 is significant. That means that Luke and I have been putting this podcast together for three years. Inconceivable! (laughs) There is just no way we have been sitting here talking about this stuff for three years. I can't even imagine... How that's possible. It was funny because I was talking about it with my wife and she goes, no, you've only been doing it for like two years, right? And I said, no, no, I've been doing this podcast longer than we've been, ma- longer than we've been married. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember that you were, I remember when you got engaged and that was a big deal and the wedding and all of that. And wow, man, either that's amazing that we have been doing this for three years or we are seriously in need of a life. Why must it be an either or? (laughs) You know, I'm kind of going back and forth, and so let's just embrace the paradox. There you go. Right? Oh, man. So uh, it's uh, for this big time episode. We will, though, continue uh, our normal pattern. Uh, Have you been playing any games? It was kind of hilarious because today my wife is usually, shall we say, obvious when she wants to do something. She has absolutely no poker face to speak of. Well, today, we get home from all the stuff that we were doing, and she just looks at me and says, this is this is your surprise. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean? It started off with her friend showing up, and, you know, her friend always shows up, and so I'm like, okay, yay, she's here, fun. Then uh, my buddy Kevin, who I play Netrunner with every week, he shows up, and I'm like, hey, Kevin, what's going on, man? And before I knew it, my wife had declared that today was going to be a celebration of Mike. And apparently a celebration of Mike involves playing board games and eating greasy food. So. <laughs> awesome. So I we, we played two games this evening. Uh, we played Castle Panic. and uh, A favorite of mine. Unlike the inaugural game of, of my particular copy of it, uh, we actually ended up winning. It was a a good night for cooperative gaming because we did Castle Panic and we won. And we did it. I can't believe it. We played Pandemic and won. Whoa, that's like... That's... Those two things happening at the same time. There's got to be like an alignment of Venus and stuff happening and, and... It's the Equinox. Or it's a celebration of Mike. Celebration of Mike. Okay, I got you. (laughs) Yeah, all right. But yeah, no, it was fun. Uh, A couple of us had played the different games before. Um, I will say that my wife got to play both of these. This is the first time she's played either one. And I think she really really likes co op games because of the fact that, especially the uh, Castle Panic, because there is a kind of competition. Because at the end, you total up the points. Whoever killed the most things wins. Ha 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 ha. But, um, but no, I think she likes the fact that she can't screw anything up too bad because all of us are in it together. So I think that gives her the freedom to, like, just enjoy playing it. So, oftentimes, well, first off, there is, I believe, a certain backlash against co-op games right now. I, I think a lot of people are kind of, maybe they're just a little tired of them right now. I think... 
six months from now, everybody's going to be tired of bluffing games, and, you know, things happen, right? Things tend to go in waves like Patterns that. happen, right? But uh, one of the kind of derisive things about co-op games is they're too simplistic, they're too easy, and one of the games that really kind of gets sad is Castle Panic. And so I'm interested to, to hear from your group you guys played Castle Panic and Pandemic back to back, which I've never done. I don't think. Um, and theoretically, they're both very similar types of games. But I, I think that the the audience would kind of look at Castle Panic and say that's more of a kiddie game, and Pandemic's a little bit more of a serious game. Uh, how was your experience with the two? I won't completely invalidate that statement. The, part of the reason that we were able to win at Pandemic is because when we dealt out the roll cards, we got, like, the greatest combination in the world. The greatest combination in the world is the researcher who can just yeah. hand out cards as long as you're on the same space as the researcher. The researcher can give you whatever card she wants. And the scientist who only needs four cards of a particular disease in order to cure it. So those two basically stuck next to each other across the world and cured everything. And it was great because team that up with the uh, with another layer of being the ultimate combination because I I was playing the medic who I refer to as Pandemic Jesus because <laughs> because the the medic in case you don't know normally you can only cure one little block of disease at a time per action. Well the medic can basically cure all of it for one action. So he's just curing people left and right, and once once the scientist-researcher team cured it, the sheer presence of the medic in a town makes that that, that city cured. All right. diseases... It doesn't take an action anymore. You just walk into town, everything's cured. And so, with that kind of ultimate combination, it still, it still came down to, like, three cards left. Or we would have lost with that ultimate combination, and we were playing with only four uh, epidemic cards. Like it, it wasn't a huge accomplishment. Like everything was going for us. If we lost, we would have just you know, pandemic was pandemic. But we had the ultimate combination of stuff there. Um, Castle Panic. I will say that it could have gone completely different. Now, yeah, overall, I would say that it's not as intense a game. Overall, I would say that, yeah, it is a little more, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to go kid because, like, we're all adults. We had a blast doing it. But it's, it's on a simpler level of the spectrum. It's not Pandemic. The likelihood of us winning at Castle Panic is significantly better. But in this particular game, there was one time that if the giant boulder didn't land in the exact spot that it did, we would have died horribly. There were about four monsters at the gates waiting to just march into our castle, but the boulder got them all. And had that not happened, we probably wouldn't have won. So, I I don't want to ever dismiss a game. That's like, you know, when you're reading books and somebody dismisses all young adult fiction because it's classified as young adult fiction. I don't buy it there and I don't buy it in games. I I do think that Castle Panic is a little bit more overall user-friendly, but 
I don't know. I don't think either one of them you need some kind of advanced or you need to shut your brain off. I don't I don't think either one of them is is one way or the other. I think they can both turn on a dime. Okay. But yeah, so that was that was that. We got to uh talk about different games, talk about I got to talk about Gen Con a little bit with uh Kevin because my life revolves around Gen Con until Gen Con actually happens. Seems reasonable. And uh yeah, no, it was it was good. I got to eat pizza, which this house has been on a full-on diet frenzy lately, so the fact that I got to eat pizza was a wonderful thing. And, yeah, it was a good day. <laughs> awesome. What, that sounds great. What about you, Luke? What have you been up to? Well, I, I've uh, recently played uh, a, a co-op game, because you know me and the co-ops. Yes. Um, and I still have mixed feelings about it. I played a couple of times. Uh, the game's called Escape Curse of the Temple. It's an older game. I want to play it uh, so bad. So here is uh, kind of the description of the game. You guys are Indiana Jones and his team right at the moment where you pulled the thing <laughs> off of the, the, the pedestal in the Temple on, of Doom. Or you stepped on the thing. Right, and you think everything is good, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm in trouble and we got to get out this place quick. So, uh, the the basic gameplay is it's a dice roller, uh, so you're rolling dice trying to match up certain pairs. You uh, are laying tiles. Uh, each tile is a new room in the in the temple, looking for uh, the exit, and the exit's going to be one of the last five tiles in the pile. Uh, and all along the way, there are these treasure rooms where you can activate crystals, and uh, when you get to the exit, the only way to exit is to roll a number of dice equal to the remaining crystals plus one. So you really have to activate all of these crystals along the way. Um, what makes the game insane <laughs> is that all of this is happening at the same time. With a timer. Everybody plays concurrently with a ten minute timer. And there are times, three times, well, two times really, uh, during that ten-minute timer when a gong goes off. And you must then rush back to the entrance of the temple, or the core room of the temple, whatever it is. If you do not make it within, I think it's 30 seconds, but before the next big sound goes, you lose a die permanently. Uh, and you only have five dice to start with to get everything you need done. So, uh, it is a crazy, insane co-op game where you're yelling across the table at your buddies, Hey, we need to be in this room. Roll dice. Oh, no, some of my dice are locked. Hey, buddy, get over here and help me and unlock my dice. And, and you're doing all of this. Uh, and one of the problems, the problem we had was the the uh, the backing track was not distinct enough. So, like, there were times when we... What happens is there's a gong sound and then a pitter-patter of feet. Like you're running uh, before a door closes. That That's the kind of... the 30-second window that you need to get back. And if you're not really paying very close attention, because things are so loud, with dice hitting the table and people talking back and forth, it's real easy to miss that initial gong. And so, 
what ends up happening is now you've got le- somebody finally realizes, oh man, hey pitter patter, we got to get back to the thing, and ultimately two or three people don't get back to the thing. In which case, now you you need to get down to one or two crystals left in the place. You started out with fourteen or fifteen. The whole thing falls apart. It's pretty much impossible. I don't see winning this game ever. <laughs> um, you know, this would be like. Let me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, using like pandemic, and not carrying one of the. That's about how far we got. <laughs> or you know, uh, Forbidden Island, and not getting one of the treasures, and just falling into the ocean and dying. Um, I just. I don't. I don't. Maybe I'm just stupid, and I do not know how to play this game, or something. But I have no conception of how you could possibly beat this game. That said, it's fun. It's kind of crazy. My kids don't want to play it anymore. But see that that surprises me because I would imagine that kids would love it because it's pretty much chaos in a box. Yeah, no, that part was fun. But after like the couple of playthroughs, they're like, "Well, this is never going to happen. There's just no way." And so I don't know. Maybe I'll figure out a way to to cheat mode it and get a 12 minute window or something. Um, I don't know. It's something I'm gonna have to look into a little bit more. Do some research. Figure out what are, what are people doing. How am I not doing this right? What's going on? Well, there are. I I know when they. I don't know if they put out or when they put it out. I should say there's an expansion where apparently there's one thing that you can get is pretty much a portable torch, which lets you instead of having to run all the way back to the beginning, you can just run to the torch. Okay, well, I have the expansion as well. Uh, it, actually, the one I it came with two expansions, but I haven't tried those yet, so that that may change things. Yeah, I like I know that that I, there's a bunch of stuff that the expansions add, and I know that one of them is like you carry it with you, so instead of having to run all the way back, you can run to this instead, and I'm sure that might help out a lot. Yeah, because it, this is one of those don't split the party kind of games, because. Uh, what happens is two faces of the die are black idols, and if you get the black idol, you can't use that die anymore. Until you get an orange idol, which I think is only one face of the die, that'll unlock it. And uh, regularly, everybody on the home board is locked. Um, And so there's a mechanism to unlock that, but uh, it's one of those things where if you're in the same place as somebody, you can use their dice to unlock yourself. So uh, I don't know. It's a it's a game that I want to play some more. I kind of I haven't figured it out yet. If that makes it, I, I don't. The whole time I was playing, I was kind of like, "What am I doing? I don't know what's happening. I don't know." Which I guess is part of the fun of the game. But um, when everybody who's played the game, everybody's playing the game, feels that way, it's a whole lot of confusion. Uh, so in, in addition to Escape, uh, I also played Bang again, another old game that uh, I've never played before. Bang is you're playing a spaghetti western, and uh, each person has a hidden role. Uh, the roles are, I think, let me see, the sheriff, which is not a hidden role, the sheriff is known, uh, outlaws, deputies, and renegades. And uh, fairly simply, the uh, 
Outlaws want to kill the sheriff, the sheriff doesn't want to die, the deputies don't want the sheriff to die, and the renegade is insane and wants to kill everybody. <laughs> um, and basically it's a card drawing game, and you, you get weapons, and you get uh, bullets, which are your bang cards, and there are other cards that are happening. Um, there's a range uh, mechanic in the game, so that you can only shoot uh, people adjacent to you at the beginning of the game. And you might get a rifle that it might have maybe has range three, you, so you can shoot people that are three seats away from you uh, in the game. So as you're playing, you you have to make the choices. Well, first, are you, do you just go shoot people willy nilly? Do you wait until they have uh, the ability to uh, make longer shots and wait until people start to take actions that may or may not uh, indicate who they are? Um, and and the game plays out like that. Um, it uh, it does have uh, what to me is a fatal flaw, uh, and that is it's an elimination game that takes too long. Yep. I don't mind elimination games. Uh, look at a perfect example of uh, Love Letter. You're you get eliminated all the time. Cool. You get eliminated all the time, but the rounds are like three minutes long, so it's not that big of a deal. Well, a game of bang is like half hour, 45 minutes. And if you get knocked out 20 minutes in, you're not going to sit there. That's boring. Later, I'm leaving the table. I've actually had games of bang where a person was killed before their turn got to happen. Well, my first turn of the game, somebody hit me five times. Yep. Now, I was lucky. I happened to have a couple of missed cards in my hand, so I survived it. But... I could have gotten eliminated on turn one just based on the initial card deal, and that would have been it. And the the rest of the game would have gone on for half an hour, 45 minutes. To me, that's a no-go. That's a game that doesn't need to get played. Play Cash and Guns if you want to shoot each other. I, I got rid of my copy of Bang for that reason, because I was just sick and tired of, of the elimination aspect of it. However, the the same guys who made Bang, which I love the fact that it's so spaghetti western that the cards are in Italian and English. Yes. Um, and it, it does look very cool, and it's got a fun vibe. I'll give it that. The same guys who did that made a card, made a card game called uh, Samurai Sword. And it's, instead of it being a spaghetti western theme, it's definitely uh, uh, an, an eastern samurai right. ninja vibe. Kira Kurosawa kind of thing. Right. And uh, there's no elimination. That it, it deals with, instead of having like like life and then getting eliminated, there's honor, and that you're trying to keep your own honor and attack the honor of other characters, so whoever has the most honor at the end wins. Yeah, and that could be cool, like you could go Ronin if you got, if you lost all your honor or something like that. I mean, I, I that, it's more fun when the people get to stay in the game. Uh, and so, for me, again, Fatal Flaw, I don't ever want to play that game again. And had a good time playing with the people that I was playing with. That was cool and all, but but that's a no-go. Uh, the final game I played this week is a game called Villages. Uh, Villages was recently kickstarted, uh, and so it's kind of a newish thing. It's a it is a card game. Uh, it's basically eight bit JRPG rummy. Oh, okay, I'm going to need some more explanation on that one. 
<laughs> so it's a card game. You get your initial hand. Uh, there's a discard pile and a draw pile. You can draw either from the top of the discard or from the uh, draw pile. Uh, each turn, you get two two new cards. You're looking at your cards. Each one has a color, a character, and the characters are very much Japanese role-playing game kind of characters, and a power and a gold value. Uh, when you have three of the same color card, you can play that as a village. Uh, so you play your village. And maybe your village has a princess and a knight and a kaiju in it. And so that is your village. Your village is out there. Now, other people can use people in, from their villages can to an, attack your village on their turn. Uh, they can attack your village and you compare the strength of their attacker with the strength of you, uh, the defender that you choose. You can also use cards from your hand to attack and defend. Uh, that kind of gives it like a secret, a uh, uh, little bit of a secret thing that you don't know what you're going to be facing when you attack or defend. Uh, and then there are also two dice. One uh, that will give you less bonus, but more consistently. One that potentially can give you a higher bonus, but can also give you no bonus at all. And you add your scores together, you find out who wins. If the attacker wins, they can either kill the defender or kidnap somebody from their village to put them in their village. So you go around, you're laying your villages. Uh, they're, they're all, the cards have a ton of effects on them, and I'll get to that in a minute. But but basically the game, you, you roll until somebody's out. They've played all of their cards. When they play it, one person is out, they've played all their cards, uh, everybody else gets one more turn, and you score your villages. You score how much gold your villages are worth, minus any gold in your hand, and also any gold in your graveyard. Uh, you then shuffle up, redeal, and play another round, just like you would in Rummy. Um, the difference here is that basically every single card is like a magic card, right? It has game text that changes things. And maybe this card is better when it defends. Or, you know, um, the mecha robot, there was actually a mecha robot card that got plus four versus kaiju. Of course uh, it does. <laughs> right. Um, so things like that. Or, you know, the knight can get the plus versus the dragon. This uh, The joker, uh, actually, whoever has the lowest power wins. You know, all kinds of stuff that twists and messes up the rules. And and uh, makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, it's a very fun game. It's it is like Rummy, um, but better. Um, it also has the advantage that there's constant conversation happening because the cards are cool. You know, you're talking about, hey, what is this stupid little thing? Hey, what's that reference? Hey, what's this reference? You know, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, that said. There are lots of times when you're like, oh, okay, does this card take precedence over this card? Uh, you know, that kind of thing is hard to play test. When there's all of these permutations of uh, effects happening. And so the, it could be confusing at times, but, you know, I was playing with our established game group. It was really pretty easy for us to just be like, okay, we're doing this or we're doing that. That's the way we're doing it for the rest of the game. Go. <laughs> you know, uh, but we did kind of end up having a house rule, some of it. Cool looking game, though. Uh, very fun, like, you know, Nintendo-esque graphics. Not quite boss monster-like, more 
Final Fantasy pixel pixelated kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, fun. Yeah, I was I was thinking about Boss Monster the whole time you were talking, and I was wondering if it was going to be the same thing. But it sounds like it does take a, like a different spin on it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's rummy. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you're putting down a series of cards and you're building your villages and you're, you're like, oh, good, I got more yellow cards. I put them in my yellow village. And, uh, you know, oh, hey, look at this card. It doubles the value of my entire village. Awesome. And uh, things like that. Oh, crap, you went out and I've still got 19 cards in my hand. No! <laughs> <laughs> wow, that really uh, is rummy. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, and, and, and in fact, oh, no, 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 wait, that's a, that, it was Bang. Bang actually has poker, not poker, but what's the 52 card deck called? A regular deck of cards. A regular deck of cards, there you go. And so you could actually use Bang cards to play poker type games, if you'd like. Yeah, I, I don't know, There's, it just, it, I, I'd want to try that. It sounds ridiculous, but to me it's just like, uh, why, why do I care? I'll just play Rummy. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, and there is some of that, but it, it, I mean, it does add a, well, one, it adds the combat, right? You know, and Rummy's essentially, you know, competitive solitaire. <laughs> you know, I've never heard it called that, but the second you said it, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can agree with that. Yeah, that that uh, this a- adds a little bit of uh, back and forth. You've got to decide, you know, hey, who am I going to attack, and and those kind of things. So yeah, I thought it was a good game. Uh, it took again, it took a little time to get our heads wrapped around it, but I think on a second play, it would go much faster. Nice. All right, so we've been playing games, which uh, apparently we have been doing for three years. Yes, we have. Well, we really have been doing it for longer than three years, but we've been on the air, on the internets, chatting about it. For three years, we, and we've been subjecting the internet to the fact that we play games for the past three years, and incomprehensibly, crazy people out there listen to it. We love you all. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, uh, so I wondered. I guess the the first question that comes to mind whenever we have, you know, one of these big kind of experiences like this, is what's changed for you? What's changed in your gaming since? we've started talking about it on the interwebs. I've let the joy of Netrunner in my life. Okay. <laughs> That's the primary thing for you. <laughs> well, I, it's not only the fact that it's a great game. It is a very great game. It's a, a well-constructed, fun game that in, that takes in a lot of the collectible aspect without having to collect and I, I, I like the theme. I like, I like everything there is to like about Netrunner. So there is that. But I think the other thing that is brought back is the old days when, you know, every week I used to get together with my buddies and we'd all come together and we'd talk about strategies. Or, oh, I'm, I'm running a, you know, back when it was Magic the Gathering, it was like, oh, I'm running a black-green deck. Or, oh, I'm running a red deck, a red burn deck. And, you know, we we had our little code phrases and our little things that only only guys who played this game would know about. Like... I found myself talking the other day, like, yeah, I totally want to run a black card deck. And if you don't know that card, if you don't have that that particular 
uh, strategy in mind, you have no idea what that means. But if you've played Netrunner and I say I want to make a Blackguard deck, oh man, you got what you got to do is you put this card in with this, and this synergizes with this, and it just it reminds me of being a kid and playing Magic the Gathering with my buddies. It reminds me of the like the ritual of getting new cards and and the the getting together week after week after week to even though you're probably going to play the same deck you played last week it doesn't matter it's still fun yeah well it's geeking out on stuff that's what it is well yeah you know whether you, you know and and there's there's umpteen forms of that but you've been able to reestablish that that scratching that itch through, through netrunner so yeah, that that's definitely one thing. I I've refound a, a place in my heart for a game that blatantly tries to get me to give it all my money by giving me cards. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do plan on bringing my old Magic cards to Gen Con and hoping to thus pay for my trip. So I've got that going for me. Okay. Good luck with that. The economies of Magic cards are beyond me. <laughs> they were beyond me too until somebody posted a picture of a card that was worth like $150 and I realized that back in the day when I was playing regularly I had like four of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had alpha cards. That's when I started playing and they went in a trash can somewhere I'm sure. I hold out the belief that maybe they're in my parents' attic but I know down deep, they are not. <laughs> Some but somewhere in the Orange County landfill, tens of thousands of dollars of magic cards that once belonged to me are currently rotting, alongside bananas and diapers. Yeah, that is a shame. <laughs> that is an image right there. That is just an image. But you, Luke, is there anything that that's stuck out? Anything that's changed in your your gaming? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what's changed most for me, and that is I've become more of a board gamer. I will be completely honest and say I used to think of board games as things that lesser gamers did. You know, people who couldn't hack a war game or a collectible card game or a role playing game. Uh, which I was much, much more into all three of those than I ever was into board games. Um, but I have come to appreciate the one-off, quick, relatively, uh, <laughs> nature of board gaming. You know, there's part of me that doesn't necessarily like the board game economy, but... Uh, yeah, I get it. I understand board games now a whole lot better than I did before uh, we started doing this show. That said, board games don't scratch that itch for me. I love board games. I will continue to play board games. But, you know, the kind of thing you were talking about, that like, oh my goodness, this is the thing. To me, I don't I don't see how you would get that with board games. To me, that, that does imply the role-playing game or the collectible card game or the, uh, well, obviously for me, war game a little bit more. But, to be fair, I do now play mostly board games. So, that, that's that been a big change. For me. Until you can bust out, what is it, the Dark Saga or whatever they're called? Saga, yes. No, that, that, that army's still underway. But even then, I mean, part of this is just 
the number of players of board games. We had like we must have had like twenty five or thirty people at board game group yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ton of people, right? There's like four guys in the corner playing Magic, and the whole rest of the store is playing board games. And uh, you know, they're just more accessible. It's about accessibility. And yeah, I've got my couple of buddies who we can break out a war game with, but I've got ten times as many people, twenty times as many people that I can play board games with. You know, uh, and in a way, they both get your money, right? Uh, war games. Customizable card games, not so much role-playing games, though they can be. They just they just drown you with gigantic upfront costs and cool new additions and stuff you have to have for your armies. Uh, board games, on the other hand, it's like here's twenty-five bucks, here's forty bucks, here's fifty bucks, again, 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 <laughs> again, again. You know, they just keep cranking out new board games at rates that are practically incomprehensible, and you're going to go to the land of board game births. You know, the, the, uh, for some reason I am picturing the cabbage patch where all the little <laughs> cabbage patch babies came from. <laughs> Just watering fields of board games. Yes. Xavier Roberts' cabbage patch. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Meeple's on the yeah. foot. It's got a tattoo of Reiner Knizia. Yeah, you know, so. That's you're you're gonna go and there's gonna be a huge number of board games and we're all gonna be excited about it and we're all gonna be waiting for the next six months and we're all gonna get those games as they trickle out and and, and do all that. But to me, one of the things that makes me very sad is that then you just stop playing those games. Those games are gone and you wait till the next ones. And even war gaming has kind of gotten that way now. Like back in when I started, there was like three war games. Now there's like three a month. Yeah. You know, and, uh, like, I, I don't get it. But, you know, I'm an old guy, and I'm sitting on my porch saying, Get off my lawn! <laughs> then play my armies! <laughs> Alright, so you have said Netrunner, so we will set that aside. Have there been any games uh, along the way? I think I know what you might say, but have there been any games or experiences along the way that have just surprised you? That if you, you thought were going to be eh, or you just didn't see it coming, or that just blew your mind. In ah, uh, I I don't know if I would say blew my mind. That, I mean that that's high that's high level stuff right there because we've been doing this for three years. I don't want it's not like I, I don't want to just cover over the ground that we've already we've already said in previous episodes. Like I could tell you. That I was surprised by City of Remnant. It was a game that I went last year to Gen Con and uh, picked it up because it was a demo. It was a demo. I was trying to get in to play Bioshock, which I still haven't played. <laughs> I, I, I was trying hard to get in on a demo of Bioshock because everyone was trying to get into it. And right as I was standing there, waiting my turn, guy looks up at me and says, Hey, we need one more for this game. You want to play? And I'm like, Yeah, sure. And little did I know I was soon to be playing the my favorite game of Gen Con last year. It was bar none the, my favorite thing that I'd played. I've already mentioned that, though. So I'm, I'm trying to think of, of something that would absolutely blow my mind. I, I think more, more than any one particular instance, it's just been the, the beauty of the gaming community that has just really, in the past year has really kind of settled in with me. 
the fact that I've had conversations with people who made D&D happen. The fact that, you know, I talk to all these game designers because I just drop drop a mention on Twitter. Like, I I love that. I love the... That is pretty cool. Yeah, and, and that's been something that's been mostly, especially since we've been pushing so hard with inroads, that, you know, I've been trying harder and harder to make those contacts. It I'm really just blown away by the fact that both the on the designer level all the way down to little peons like us trying to make podcasts everybody in the community whether they're well known or or no one has ever heard of them before everyone generally tends to work together realize we're all part of this community realize we're all like we're all like board gaming family and i love that i absolutely love that yeah i have to agree with you uh, and and you know what? It, okay, so about oh, geez, how long ago was it? Five years ago, give or take. Something happened to the world, and we all decided to join Facebook. <laughs> yes, we did. And because of that, there there was a group for everything, and you could go onto a forum for anything. And, you know what, let me be real frank with you, they all sucked. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter which one. Board game forums. That, they still sucked. Everything sucked. Because the internet was full of anonymous hate. But, after a while, when we all got sick and tired of hanging out with jerks online, everybody went, hey, you know what, let's find real people. Yeah. Things like Meetup came along, and we went outside, and we found real people. And it turns out that real people are cool. Right. Internet people suck. Real people are cool. And all of a sudden, these little communities... I'm seeing so much more community now uh, in all kinds of ways than I ever did, than I had 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, I think about uh, even the church, right? And one of the reasons why the church became such a vital part of the suburbs of the United States is because the suburbs lacked inherent community. It it was a meeting place for pretty much everything within the town. It was. It absolutely was, and and it played a really vital role. But now, with things like Meetup, dude, this weird little group of Christian gamers, there's thousands of us, yep. you know? And board games. Like, who would have ever thought board games were going to be a strong enough niche that a whole industry could be built around it? And I'm not talking, you know, Monopoly and Hasbro. I'm talking, you know, there's 50 companies out there that are making a living building board games for communities of 20 people who get together at some store, some place, once a week and play these games because somehow community has become so important. It, you know, and and it doesn't matter if you, you're not into board games, I don't know what you might be into, but there are places and people seem to be gathering and hanging out and sharing information more now and it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Like, 
we now have the internet. All of the world's information at our hands ever. Right? We have all the information in the world, but what we don't have is experience. And I think all of us went, hey, you know what? I missed that experience, so let's get together and hook up with people. And that's, to me, really what Inroads and Game Store Profits has been about. You know, yeah, we talk about things. Of course we do. That's our job. But but if there's anything that we've promoted, it's get together with people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think for me that that explosion of not community, but communities of people uh, has been really nice and surprising. Yeah, and I, I think that's only going to be growing. That's that's not something that has we've seen, and it's it's le- it's leveling out. I think that that's something that's going to continue to just grow and skyrocket because it it's really funny because I, I walked into uh, Barnes and Noble the other day. A rare, rare thing for Mike Furna to do. Yeah, so I walked in there, and now. I remember back in the day, the board game section, it was there. It was a thing. Mostly puzzles. Mostly puzzles. (laughs) That's very true. Now it's taken up, like, a huge chunk of the middle of the store. Yeah, man, it's like a three racks. Yeah, and the games that you're seeing there have gone, like, way... Like, I used to get excited when I saw Settlers of Catan in a store like that. And I said, oh, man, that's cool, they're getting some board games. Now, I, I saw, like, Dungeon Roll was in that game was in that game section. I saw freaking Trajan, which is a game... Wow. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I think it's crazy because I remember those times when that wasn't the case. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it's... You know, I can't really point to any one thing. Like, like I can point to tabletop. Sure. I can point to the dice tower. No, but I, I think it's a greater social movement where we want people. Right. That, that's what I mean. It's like we want to hang out together. We want to be shoulder to shoulder and, and uh, you know, experiencing each other. You know, I, I think that there was a time when the pendulum had shifted way, 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 way toward individuality. And we were all our kind of unique, you know, little islands in the world, and we were who we are, and that's it, and we didn't give a rat's knuckle about anybody else. And we, we kind of got to that point, and, and I do think that social networking was kind of born in that point, where everybody was like, you know, hey, this is what I had for breakfast. Nobody cares. What nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know? <laughs> and nobody's that important that people care what they had for breakfast, unless you're the greatest breakfast cook in history. You know? And... But now there's been this kind of backlash against that, and the pendulum swinging a little bit the other way, and we're like, hey, you know what we want? We want people, <laughs> and we want to hang out together. And yeah, hanging out together and doing stuff can be hard. There can be conflicts, but you know what? It's better than just being isolated, because we thought that you know connecting over the internet connected people, and this is coming from a voice talking to you over, over the, the internet. internet. I know. <laughs> okay. But if, like, we're your best friends, stop. You're, that's not right. <laughs> well, okay. I've always. Go out and find a real best friend. <laughs> I've always seen that internet communities have their place. There are people that I've connected with through the internet that I probably wouldn't meet on a regular basis. And, and I, I think there is value in that. I think it's incredibly important. Heck, there's a reason why I spend so much time posting and talking with people in the tavern. 
there's a reason why so much of our stuff is internet-based. I I think there's value there. If for nothing else than to be able to, to look across the, the great wide vastness of the World Wide Web and say, somebody out there knows what what I know, feels the way I feel, and thinks the things that I think are important are are just as important to them. We need that. But if that's that that needs to be pushing you towards connecting with people like that, towards bringing that connection into the real world. I, I think that it's it's supplemental to the greater community. And I, th- I think you're right, Luke. I think that a lot of people are getting that, that for the longest time we use social media as the connection. And it shouldn't be. It should be the springboard that makes the connection. Yeah, the way I see, again, there is knowledge and there is experience. The internet is awesome for knowledge. Right. You can, I love that you can research and dive into anything that you want. Okay, I'll give you an example. I've been looking for a shotgun. Okay, I don't know if you ever tried to buy a shotgun, but here's the thing, folks. You can buy a shotgun anywhere from $200 to $5,000, $10,000. And between $200 and, say, $4,000, there will be a shotgun at every $10 price point. <laughs> it's insane, right? But you go out and actually spend time with the dude on the range, and he can make it all make sense. You know, maybe people are listening to this show thinking, man... These guys talk about all these games, and it's like they've been playing games for their entire life, and and I, I just want to play a game, and I show up at the game store, and there's like 15 people there, and, and there's like all these games going on, and there's 16 different components from each different game, and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't know how to buy a shotgun. But guess what? The people at that store, just like the guys down at the range, they're cool. Not everybody, but mostly. Humanity is mostly cool. And they want... They like games. And they want you to play games. And if you're like, ah, man, how do I play games? They're going to be like, here, put the gun in your hand, point it at the orange thing, pull the trigger. <laughs> okay? that That's what's going to happen, right? And uh, here, sit down, roll these dice, move this character, do this thing. Yeah, you're playing games now. And so, yeah, you know, we can talk about games all we want. We can play games online, we can play video games, we can play games on our iPads, but it's not the same as sitting down with somebody and playing. You know, I I had a chance uh, last night, I got to play with someone that I used to play like every week with, but because of life or whatever, schedules, I haven't played with her in like three or four months. We got down, sat down and played a game, and that was awesome fun. Because, you know, we banter back and forth at each other because we've been playing all these games together for so long. And we were able to pick up that banter again, and that's fun. And, you know, you don't get to do that as much online. And so I think the the transition that, that in board games... I don't think board games caused it, by the way. But board games coming in and filling this niche of we want to spend time with each other. How do we do that? Oh, wow, here's a game. Let's play a game. Let's do that. Is awesome. I think that's a, just an awesome way to 
fill that need that our society has right now. You know, I'm sure there's a whole lot of horrible things out there that are filling that need as well. But, you know, board games are fun. Board games are positive. Unless they're, you know, escape, curse of the temple. That's not fun. That's not positive. That's not not positive. No. (laughs) No. So, man, uh, you know, as we're coming up on the close of this thing, uh, we've been doing this for three years. Folks, um, in case you're wondering, we have absolutely no plans. Because we never, ever do. <laughs> that said, we did create something called Inroads Ministries. And Inroads gets planned significantly. It does. And, uh, in fact, we had a planning meeting today. Uh, so, Mike, going forward, we'll, we'll just give it, say, the next year. But, you know, maybe next three years. Maybe next lifetime. I don't know. What are you looking forward to? Oh, Don't say Gen Con. That's cheating. <laughs> that is cheating. That's not even fair. I've mentioned it every episode for the past like two months, so it's I can't really say that. I'm definitely looking for I'm looking forward to inroads growing. And I know that that sounds kind of obvious, but I really think that as more and more people kind of find us and more and more people like come to the tavern, send us emails, talk to us, I'm realizing that there is there is a need for this because I did some math and I will reference Gen Con here, but it's in relationship to something much bigger. So bear with me, please. At Gen Con this year, there will be one booth. And in that one booth, there will be three organizations represented. Christian, Ga- Christian Gamer Guild, Fans for Christ, and us. And while he's not an organization, we will also have the Geek Preacher. He is an organization. He's an organization unto himself. (laughs) Yes. So let's say four organizations then, at one booth. We're still recruiting people to come help us at that booth, but I'm estimating that we're going to have between six to ten volunteers at that booth. Sound okay? There will be 50,000 people at Gen Con. There will actually be more than that, because last year had more than 50,000 people and they've actually estimated that it's going to be even bigger this year. So, one booth is for four organizations with about 6 to 10 volunteers for 50,000 people. They, they're intentionally to make a point of contact and display the love of God to 50,000 people. And every time I hear numbers like that, and I hear that, you know, there is a church service, and that church service is going to have something like 300 people at it. That is awesome. That is fantastic. That is wonderful. But I'm just, I'm just reminded of the fact that the main number there was over 50,000. And that's a lot of people who need to hear about the love of God. And so, yeah, there are aspects of what we do that is to reach gamers in the church that are already in the church, to make them feel like, hey, you know what, I, I can be a gamer and still love Jesus. There are people here who who understand that and know what that is. There, There is an aspect of what we do that is about equipping churches to you know, address the gamers that are in their congregations, but I want to see inroads grow. I want to see more people get passionate and excited about it because the gamer culture... 
gamer culture in general, but even specifically the tabletop gaming culture is exploding. And not to say that we're, you know, amazing people who are the only people capable of doing this because we're not. But in fact, I want to encourage everybody to, to get out there. I want more churches involved. I want more people involved and excited and, and putting that out there. And I want, I want to be able to not only talk to those people, but to equip those people and to get those people to be able to, to show Christ to people. I want them to be able to sit down at a game and be able to, without having to worry about preaching a three-point sermon and a prayer, I want them to be able to show the love of God to gamers across their tables. And I want them to be able to provide a place where gamers feel safe and comfortable while hearing the gospel. And so, yeah, I mean, I know it's kind of overarching and it's kind of on that that level of way past any kind of, you know... The, the planning that we did today is only the first building blocks on what we're going to see, not only for this year, but for this ministry. But that that is going to be probably for the rest of my existence what I want to see happen. I want to see more people get really excited about sharing the love of God with gamers. Well, folks, we are uh, so excited that you've been with us for three years. Uh, there is more coming. And as you become more involved in this podcast, in this ministry, or just in ministry in your own life and then taking board games out to uh, your friends and your family and your church members and your neighbors, uh, there is even more happening. And, you know, we've, we, we, we don't need to go through everything that we're doing. Uh, we, we talk about it every week. But, uh, you know, here's the thing is three years ago, Mike and I did this kind of on a whim. Heck, I think we recorded our first episode at something like 3 o'clock in the morning on like a Friday evening. You know, and it, it was one of those things where like, we're going to do this and see what happens. And things that happened. If you had told, and if you had told, me, if you told me three years ago that I would have been sitting at a dinner table with pretty much the entire creative team of Kenzer Company... I would have laughed at you. <laughs> that happened last year. Yeah. You know, and things are happening and things are growing. And we are really, really thankful for that. But we also do not forget that the only reason anything happens is because you listen. And it's because you listen and you tell your friends. You post on Facebook. You, uh, you know, you listen in your carpool. You, you're the lifeblood behind this thing. We just are the dudes who get to talk which is a nice job yeah. I mean don't get me wrong but you guys are the lifeblood behind all of this your passion and energy are the ones who feed this ministry and uh, it will continue to be that way as we grow and I know that what my hope is and I, and I know that Mike feels the same is that, that we can take your passion and your energy and we can use that to build something great for the kingdom of God and we can build something and provide something even better to you as well. Because, uh, you know, we don't forget that we're also providing you guys with entertainment and uh, with knowledge sometimes we try <laughs> and, uh, you know, with products and things like that. And we want to do a good job with that. 
And so we're thankful that you've been uh, hanging out with us for three years. We hope you'll be here for another three and, and a whole lot more beyond that. And uh, Mike, man, it's been fun doing the show with you. Uh, I'm almost every episode. I missed a few. Well, yeah, well, so have I. Have you? Yeah, it's how Basha came in. Okay, gotcha. Well, for our guest hosts who uh, also hang out, we got to get those guys on more often. Yeah, they're we, we really do. They're they're they hide. Getting getting the other guys Hiders. getting the other guys in team awesome over here mm. is it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, we're just so thankful and, uh, remind you that for three years and forevermore, God is the game master and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.